Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell, the co-host. That is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And we are a little show called Solid Steps Radio. A few years ago, we got together and said, let's do a show for guys. Is our primary audience. We have lady listeners and we love that. But we want to talk to guys and say, hey guys, there's more to life than sports, politics, and weather. Okay to talk about those things, but what about the things that we really need to be talking about in our life as men? And the primary thing is, are you walking with God? And we believe here that you're not fulfilling your destiny as a man or woman unless you are walking with God through and with Jesus Christ. So that's a real short version of of why we exist. And we do shows that talk about the things that you may not talk about to put them in the forefront of your mind. And we don't have all the answers. We just want to be a tool in your toolbox. So today's episode is very fitting on the timing of it. Depending on when you hear this, you may hear this five years after we tape it. But this week that we tape this is Valentine's Day week. And um, it also happens to fall on a weekend where my wife and I, Jenna and I, we three or four times a year, we help out at our church with premarital classes. If you get married in our church, they want you to go through some premarital to talk about some things that need to be talked about before marriage. And I won't tell you the story how we got roped into talk into this topic, but we that, talked. That, that is another. That's a whole other story. But um, I share a little bit of that story, which I'll tell now, is that we talk about sexual intimacy. That's the topic that we talk about. And I, I open up the whole hour and a half or so telling the story and and this is what i tell these young couples i say hey look and, and by the is, way this is pg by the way if you're listening to this now folks this is a pg-13 topic because that's what we're <laughs> going to be talking about so you know you can reach for the dial or, or whatever you need to we're not going to be cursing but we're going to be talking about adult stuff so um so this is what i tell this room full of 20 somethings or how road folks are when they get married i said the very first year of our marriage with less than a year of Jenna and I being married, we were in a counselor's office because I did not know how to have sex with my wife. Now, when I say that, all of a sudden the looks on the faces of the people in the room kind of look at us like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I'll circle back around at the end and tell you what that means. And here's what I tell them is that that counselor asked us the question. He says, do you ever talk during sex? And of course, I was kind of a smart aleck, and I, and and he meant, are you talking with her? And I realized I was raised unintentionally by the world that sex was something you do to a woman, not with her. And that question just spurred all of a sudden changed the trajectory. Well, that counselor is now in studio today with his wife, uh, Don and Dana Delafield, and we're going to talk about intimacy. In marriage, not just the physical part. So, welcome, Delafields. Hello Thank there. You. Great to be here. It is great to have both of you. I have been Good so to looking be with at, you, brother. I, you know, Don, we go way <laughs> well, back, way man. Back. <laughs> we do. <laughs> oh my goodness! We shared a lot yeah. of life. We have, brother. Um, we have. Uh, we've been pastored together. You know, together uh, for golly, twenty years, and uh, you were on staff. Uh, you know, for 30 years, and now you're doing your uh, practice, uh, which is, uh, describe your practice. Well, it's a, it, it's a freestanding uh, nonprofit uh, called Hopewell Heights Counseling, and we have uh, several different disciplines there, but we're basically a, a faith-friendly, faith-based uh, counseling practice, but we practice uh, with uh, marriage and family therapy discipline, psychology, and also, we have a child therapist there as well. So we have a variety of different services, licensed prof- licensed all, licensed, all licensed professionals. We also offer uh, uh, reduced counseling, reduced price counseling uh, with students that we supervise. We have a, about four students that we're at any given time that we're supervising that are working on their master's program. And one of my colleagues and I are both supervisors in marriage and family therapy. So we have the opportunity and the pri- privilege of uh, having students there that are able to see people as well. And you've been doing this how long? Well, I was, as you mentioned, I was in my 30th year when I left uh, the church uh, counseling position that I was in. And so I've been doing this for that long plus, yeah. <laughs> Three plus decades. Yeah, we've been in this setting for about almost a year and a half. Uh, we've been doing Hopewell Heights <clears throat> counseling and I, I love it. I love being in that place. We get to, you know, reach out and minister to a lot of different people 
and uh, being outside the church now in that sense uh, gives us a unique opportunity to do that. That's very cool. And yeah. you have a better half with you. Oh, absolutely. And, and now, now, Dana, normally we do, oh, it's all guys that are usually <laughs> here. So we are so honored. <laughs> well, thank you. To have you here. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's great to be here. Uh, and Dana, you have been, uh, you've been a therapist for how long? 23 years I guess and and really you help this guy oh yeah (laughs) that was a that was a reason for going into it I kid that he's my case study (laughs) and you guys ongoing case study. and you guys uh, told us before the show before we started you guys have been married how long 36 36 years years. that's pretty cool counting Mm -hmm. yeah 36 years three kiddos and uh full of life so they're not kids anymore though Uh, (laughs) three kids that are adults now so (laughs) Uh, it's amazing well it's great to have you on the show so we're going to talk about valentine's week and specifically intimacy and uh how you helped chad uh what 18 years was that 18 years ago Mm, Uh, 2002 so yeah yeah, about uh, wow so so yeah, you you asked the question. So Chad and Jenna, do you guys uh, engage uh, verbally while you are uh, making love with one another? And Chad's clueless. Yeah, let's kick it off, Chad. And let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> I've already put my, my two cents in. So yeah. okay, but usually when I say or we say intimacy, we immediately think of sexual. Mm-hmm. And yeah. obviously that is a piece of intimacy. Sure. But uh, talk to us about intimacy and specifically four little segments within what we when we speak of intimacy. So, sure. yeah. So there are basically four types of intimacy that are available to us on the planet. There's emotional intimacy. So when I feel something, he feels it too. Yep. When I'm mad about something, he's mad with me. You know, when I'm happy about something, he's celebrating with me and we can talk about all that. And then there's um, spiritual intimacy, which, you know, for the Christian means we serve, you know, the same God and we can talk about those things. But it also means we have the same morals and same values and sort of have a same, the same kind of worldview and we can, you know, talk about that. And there's, and there's practices within that whole absolutely uh, shared experiences with all of that and then there's physical intimacy which is different than sexual intimacy there's um there's only a certain a handful of people that can sit up close to me on the couch or pat my leg or touch my face or hug me you know tight um and so there's this and that's because when she's sitting on the couch, she's surrounded by three little dogs. They're, they're the three. <laughs> they get physical intimacy from me, too. Yeah, so. they, they are the physical. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you get once in a while, i got to kick oh, them yeah, off the yeah, couch. I have, to, I have to move them out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, there's sexual intimacy. And we, you know, when we teach about this, we talk about how um, God really designed marriage to be the only relationship on the planet where you can really experience all four of those at the same time. Which is pretty cool. Right. Pretty amazing. And so yeah. when we talk about purity, you know, we, we, it's really God's, it's not a, God's intent is not prohibitive, it's protective. You know, mm. we want, he wants that experience to be so full and so rich because, you know, again, marriage is the only, you know, relationship on the planet where we can experience all of those. Unpack that a little bit. Uh, the, the, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's for our protection it's for our blessing right talk about that a little bit more well i mean i've worked over the years um to some degree with with single young women or or even teenagers who just are like why does god not let us you know why does he have a rule about that i mean it seems really unfair you know to give us all these desires yeah Yeah. and then just to say no and so as i'm you know talking with those folks i'm you know letting them know look his no is not because he doesn't want you to have a great experience his no is actually because he wants you to have this great experience when when you describe that how how is that received? I think it's. I mean, I don't know about you, but most of the time it's enlightening for people, and I think I think it it puts the why you know yes. into and you know when we have a why, it makes a makes a difference. It makes a big difference. Yeah. I think I think it's a cultural thing too that it's it's so rare. It almost seems now you know I, the cultural values have changed so much around that around purity that it's you know to to speak about that sounds really you know, out of sync with our culture in some ways. Um, but I, I remember uh, uh, along those lines, I remember doing a talk years ago to a, 
I think it was a men's uh, study of some kind, and they asked me to come in and talk about sexual issues, sexual intimacy. Or I think whatever. that was me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> might have been. And, and I remember talking about that, you know, f- kind of from a church perspective, that I had I came to the idea that, you know, in some ways as church we uh, we kind of have bought a bill of goods almost that the really good stuff is out there somewhere that the pornography or some other form of sexual experience is really the good stuff and as christian husbands we're supposed to just settle you know that we're that our 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 task as a christian man is to figure out just how to adjust and be content with this This, you know this with with the same mediocre yeah this mediocre experience and and uh and so i i said something that probably was the reason i didn't get asked back to talk (laughs) (laughs) but i said something guys if that's the best out there i mean if that's really the best if the pornography and all that kind of two-dimensional sex that's out there and other kinds of things if that's really the best uh sex available then you should really just enjoy it because it's from god if it's the best and and of course I was speaking sarcastically, mm-hmm. uh, and I had to unpack that a bit because they all looked at me like your class probably looks at you when you <laughs> say your thing. But they, uh, uh, but that was the point was that you know really the only way to have the best, the best experience is to do that in a long term relationship where you you've become comfortable in your own skin with who you are as a person. And you're able to share that with another person in, in, in an intimate way. We're going to take a break and uh, we're going to continue to unpack all of that. We'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. I'm Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter. We are here with the Delafields, Don and Dana. And we're talking about sexual intimacy. So parents, this is a PG-13. Uh, it's Totally appropriate to talk about, but you have to determine whether the ears in the car or around you need to hear that. So, uh, as we start, we want to thank our sponsors, LNN Credit Union. They have been around for decades. They have been a pillar in this community for financial needs, whether it's commercial, business, personal, loans, you name it. LNN Credit Union can help you with your financial needs. And also, Vision First Eye Care, Ron, Rod Rollo and his crew. You can throw a rock and hit a, a Vision First somewhere around the Kentuckyana area. They have been a great. Uh, sponsor of our show. If you need help with your vision, uh, contacts, glasses, vision first eye care sees you as more than just a set of eyeballs. You are a person to them in Bright Star Home Care. Chris and his crew will help you walk through that very delicate, hard season of life. If you have an uh, an, an aging parent or loved one, uh, you can um, contact them. They can walk you through that process, 24-hour care or one day a week, Bright Star Home Care. So it's it's I, I, this morning, Chad. I saw it um, as I'm walking out the door. I go go to kiss Nancy, and I go. She goes, "What's what's the show today?" And I go, "Oh, honey, <laughs> we're going to talk about sexual intimacy. It's my favorite topic." <laughs> oh my goodness! Hey, so uh, Don and Dana, we in the break we talked about how we, we what we we don't walk into the marriage with experts as experts mm-hmm. in sexual intimacy in fact it's just the opposite we're absolutely yeah. not absolutely yeah. we we, are, we carry all this baggage talk and, about that to our listeners right and, now in fact you know to to back up one step just for a moment uh i would say one of the things that dana and i have been aware of and have taught and counseled for years now is the idea that that marriage really uh as much as anything is a tool for growth or for discipleship you know that that it's it's the intent of of God, I think, for us to grow up in in that relationship and to have that relationship help us do that. And I think one of the areas that you know we, we do that emotionally and other ways we we try to grow our family with you know financial things and all that. But I think one of the areas that's really under recognized is the difficulty that couples have in transitioning from whatever life they had into marriage in terms of what they understood about sex, what their experience was. And I I think it's not very, I ask this of groups a lot, how many of you men grew up learning how to be aroused through intimacy? You know, did intimacy, uh, was that theme, you know, the primary thing that that caused you to, you know, develop excitement sexually? And inevitably, that's not the experience of men. I mean, 
the, the, the private, of them. yeah, the privatized experience of marriage, regardless of how promiscuous somebody was or whatever. Uh, it's just been my experience and my personal experience. I didn't enter into marriage with, you know, this really well-wrapped sexual understanding or experience in my life. I had all kinds of you know baggage and compulsivity in there, and it's taken a lifetime of growing in intimacy in all the other ways to have a chance at showing up in that area of our lives in that fuller, you know, freer, loving, engaged place. And so I look back and I hear, you know, Chad's story and I'm thinking very humbly, I'm so glad God was able to use me to help you at that point because I uh, was in a very similar journey of needing to learn how to do that myself, how to be present, how to really bring my whole self and my whole person into that arena of life. Because I just think it's very rare. I don't think very many people enter into marriage with that part of their lives in a really healthier, uh, understood place. And I don't think, uh, Don, we talk about this in the context of the church. No. And no. how to help, how do we help people yeah. um, who have have this baggage? Right. And move into now, now they're one flesh with this right. person mm-hmm. and they've got all this baggage sure. that they've, they've, they've had these experiences and these patterns of living. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and we don't know how to connect on the other areas of intimacy either. You know, we right. don't know how to grow that, you know, the, we, um, all that emotional, spiritual, you know, physical connection. We don't know how to, we don't know how to do that either. We, we <laughs> just, we just, in our minds, we think that intimacy is we take our clothes off and we get together and we have this sexual act and then, uh, and then it's over. Right. Yeah. And right. it's, and God's going, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. It's so much more. Yeah. It's and, not, and this, uh, yeah, it's ahead, not meant to be that unidimensional, you know, it's like, it's not just that area of our lives, you know, sexual. It's like, it's like I said, it's supposed to encompass all of that type of intimacy. It's the only relationship on the planet that has that much power and that much availability where you have to bring your whole self to it. And we just don't know how to do it. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think in, in terms of. The enemy knows how powerful Absolutely. all of this is. Sure. And so he will do everything in his power to throw a monkey wrench so that we do not have the intimacy because God knows. I mean, this is God, all God's idea. Right. Yeah. And I think the, the other thing uh, for me that, that I think personally, you know, that I've learned more over the years as I've grown as a person, not just as a therapist or a Christian even, but just from the standpoint of realizing that there was so much, there is so much focus on that, you know, that, that the goal of everything is, you know, the sexual experience sort of. And, and oftentimes, you know, it bothers me that sometimes that's what's thrown out there in men's groups that, you know, okay, you need to learn how to really love and be, be emotionally present in order to you know, get what you really want, which is to have the sexual need met and your, and I'm not wanting to minimize or deny the importance of that need. I'm just saying that in order to really experience the whole of, uh, what God has for us, it's, it's more than that. And to, to be able to expand our ability to connect emotionally, to be able to, to have close intimate relationship with other people and especially with our, with our spouse. Um, that's, I think that's at the heart of God. And I think, when we grow up learning how to get our needs kind of funneled into this one area and we're trying to get our emotional needs met through a quick fix, whether it's sex or, you know, some other form of, you know, drug or whatever it is, whatever we're trying to do to fix our mood, uh, you know, that's, that's not the fullest expression that God wants us to have in our life. He wants us to be more fully uh, fulfilled and and I think this is one of those powerful areas where we can settle for something uh, to be more than anything else, just a, a way to change a mood. And uh, God wants us to be able to experience love in such a more profound way. And I, I think for Dana and I, I think one of the things that's been so wonderful is to be able to expand my ability to receive love and to give love in so many other ways and to realize that sex has become less of an important thing really over time in a sense not that we don't enjoy that or don't value that but it's not the be all end all that i think when i was young and early into marriage i mean that was 
that was our first honeymoon fight was uh you know over that over me uh her not being uh, uh rested enough in the moment after a really wonderful night the very next day we go to town and walk around in all these shops in gatlinburg and I'm, I've, my mind, like Chad was talking about, my mind was still on, okay, when can we go back and pick up where we left off? <laughs> and, and so we get back, and it's been an you're exhausting so, week. Don, you're so shallow. Oh, I know. I was. I, I was horrible. And so, so we get back to the, to the place, and she's exhausted. We've had this really incredible, busy week, having a wedding and everything else, and we had a wonderful first night. And the first thing I could think of is let's go back and, and re-engage. And I found her to be tired, and she said, hey, what? I'm tired. And all of a sudden, I felt this huge sense of rejection and threat. And I then turned it on her, made it her fault, and I was upset at her because she wasn't engaged. What I didn't realize then was that it was threatening me. I felt threat by that, and I didn't understand it because I didn't understand that I had a compulsive relationship with my own sexual fulfillment. And I wasn't, I didn't have the capacity at that point to love her well, to really care about what mattered to her. And as a result, I think we, you know, we spent a lot of our years in marriage trying to grow to the point where we could love each other. And I love the fact that after 30 something years, we're experiencing so much more of that than ever before. That is what God is. Yeah, it's that process of growth and transformation that I'm the most grateful for. Mm. I, I, I've said for years, I think the greatest tool, discipling tool in the hands of God is marriage. Hmm. Because I, th- I think it helps, it, it takes us to levels that we could never go. Yeah. And uh, that doesn't mean that singles can't, you know, can't, you know, deepen and all that. But I think there's something really, really special. We, uh, we heard a speaker one time say sort of tongue in cheek, what better way could God have designed to teach me about myself than to have me live with somebody for the rest of my life whose job it is to point out all my faults. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a funny thing. So we're going to take a break and come back in the next two segments and talk more about this uh, I call it a grenade that has been pinned, has been pulled and put in our lap of intimacy. Uh, there's the four components, emotional, spiritual, physical, and sexual. So we're going to talk more about that with Don and Dana Delafield here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Satter, and we are in our third segment today. And this is a PG-13 episode, uh, Moms and Dads. We're talking about intimacy and different aspects of that. And we want to thank our sponsors, Frank Enterprises. If you have any septic tank issues, water drainage issues, or any kind of outside landscaping uh, problems, Frank Enterprises can help take care of that. Uh, Dan Hart Financial, if you want to talk about what retirement looks like, whether it's in a year or 20 years, Dan Hart can sit down and give you a free consultation about what a biblically wise retirement looks like. And also our favorite sponsor, unabashedly, is southernsmokecatering.com. SouthernSmokeCatering.com. Put some South in your mouth, the best award-winning barbecue you will taste. We want to thank those folks for sponsoring our show. So, Don, last uh, last <laughs> night I was reading the text, or yesterday, the, the text that you shot to me, seeing each other in the best light. Yeah. What in the world do you mean by that? Well, it, it uh, was a concept that came to me through, actually it was a leadership book that I'd read and or somebody pointed out it was actually drawn from a leadership book, but it was just an illustration that this guy used uh, to, to talk about this notion of compelling insights, which was basically just this idea that, you know, you can change something a little bit by changing this thing or that thing and then but there's, there are certain things called compelling insights that if you change this, it changes everything. And he was drawing out and uh, using some marriage research that he had come across that was a compelling insight with regard to marriage, which was research indicating what is it that really is the thing that makes marriage, uh, you know, a good thing in the long term, like they did a study. What how do you distinguish good couples from unsatisfied couples from couples that are not? And uh part of the research came out was that it wasn't having an accurate understanding of each other. That was sort of the notion that if we just communicated well enough and knew each other accurately, then we would, uh, you know, we would have this great marriage. And that was sort of what 
was taught for a couple of decades probably. And, but their research didn't indicate that. What, what it came out with was that the one compelling thing that was more predictive of good marriage was when each partner saw the other one better than that partner saw themselves. So in other words, my view of myself is not as good as Dana's view of me. And my view of Dana is, is better than the way she sees herself. And, and I, I really thought that was an interesting thing, and that goes into a, a bit more detail, of course, that we don't have time for here. But it, think about it. I mean, it's not— So when you, when you, when you look at Dana, you look at her like—just I, 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 I'm simple-minded here. On a 1 to 10 scale, you go, she's a 12. Exactly. And, and she goes, well, I'm just a 7, you know? Right. And, and then vice versa. But not, but not just in like a superficial way, but in a very deep way. Yes, like seeing, yes. seeing the other person, really, if you think about it from a spiritual standpoint, seeing the other person as God does. Mm. And that was the way I Christianized that research for me, just kind of spiritualized it, was that it, to me that connected with how do I, how do I live and love her as, as Christ would. And, and seeing it, her in that way was part of that. Yeah, and if, we, if we're able to do that, then even when you know, he's making me mad or he's doing something, even when he's making me, you know, upset or I find something to criticize it in him, I can approach him with, I know this is not your best self. I know this is not who you are. I know you're better than this experience we just had. Mm. And so when you, when, even when you have things that you are inevitably going to have to confront and deal with and problems, you do that and you're still holding on to your best self and the best self of the other person. You're seeing them as you know, this this really great person who happened to have hurt you, you know, in some way or another, or disappointed you. So you approach them with that mindset rather than this is who you are. You you know you did this to me and, and that kind of thing, where it just yeah. becomes vicious and and negative and reactive. And so the other aspect of that is think about living with somebody, the inspirational aspect of that. When you're being regarded in such a gracious and loving and positive way like that, it it inspires. And this is part of what causes vicious cycles on the negative side. When we're doing the opposite of this, we're looking for the thing to criticize. We're, We're looking in advance to find the thing that's going to disappoint us so that we're not taken uh, we're not disappointed by surprise. So we're always looking for the, the wrong thing, the thing that they're doing that's going to hurt me and that sort of thing. So that's the other side. That's the opposite. And that's what we wanted to talk about a little bit, too, was just the vicious yes. cycles. Yeah. The ways that we get hooked, the ways that we wind up in places that we don't really want to be. When, when I work with couples, which is the love of my work life is doing that, um, I don't I don't ever assume that the couple started out some years ago thinking to themselves when they got married, boy, I can't, I can't wait till we get a few years down the road and can't stand each other. You know, <laughs> I can't wait till we really hate each other and, and wish we hadn't married. I don't think any couple starts out that way. So I, my uh, very positive and I think redemptive way of looking at people that I, I think a lot of people can have is the idea that we don't get there on purpose when we get into those places where we get reactive and defended. And so part of the thing that I love to be able to do with couples is help them dig down and funnel down and figure out what's what's really going on. Because oftentimes they're caught up in problem cycles and vicious cycles that are really just uh, the, the, the growing culmination of, of defensiveness and reactivity and that sense of threat. Which is the opposite of intimacy. Yeah. 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 The killer, sin, of, sin, the killer sin, of intimacy. Yeah. Sin patterns that just continue to plague Right. The relationship. Right. A, a, a fellow that I know about uh, named Izzy Kalman, who is a psychologist up in New York that works with school systems, he's developed a program called uh, Bullies to Buddies. And his whole approach is how to use the, the golden rule, in a sense, in a psychological way to help people overcome bullying, but not from a force standpoint, but but through really not being an enemy by by maintaining a stance of not being an enemy to somebody that's treating you badly. And he's not talking about violence or just, you know, allowing somebody to hurt you violently. He's talking about insults and things like that. But it was a fascinating thing, and I've incorporated some of that idea in terms of the enemy. And as you know, that's a scripturally rich concept is to love your enemy, right? 
And I'll, I'll sometimes think of that in terms of our work with, with, within a marriage is sometimes that's what's happening is we're reacting to each other as if we're enemies. We're feeling that on a, on a biological level when we feel threat, you know, we're reacting as if this person is our enemy. We're trying to overcome an opponent and we have defensive patterns. We have things that we learned growing up that were ways that we coped with things and ways that we survived, but now in, in marriage where the task is the development of intimacy and moving toward one another and, and remaining soft toward one another, those defensive patterns that we develop throughout our life as a survival thing uh, wind up getting in the way and we end up causing each other to feel more and more defensive uh, as we do that. And those things get in the way of us developing that deeper intimacy. Uh, the, I mean, those the are the hurdles that we, got, we have to overcome. Yeah. T- Don, talk a little bit about why, why was it so doggone difficult to have this intimacy? Well, I think, you know, as, as we're talking about, the, the, the threat is involved because we're, vulnerability is one of the most powerful uh, <clears throat> things in life, I think. And we grow up oftentimes uh, learning how to not be vulnerable. But you can't be intimate without being vulnerable. Vulnerability is... Say that again, Dana. You can't be intimate without being vulnerable. I mean, sex, really, if we're talking sexual intimacy, is the most vulnerable place of all because we have to be uncovered, you know, and open and feel safe and all those things have to happen. I mean, emotionally safe and connected in order for that to be the best experience. And so there's no way for us to go into that situation and receive and really... I guess grow intimacy or be, be you know really intimately connected if we're not vulnerable to each other. How, how do we, how do we work through and get to that vulnerable state? That that's a a really big challenge I think because those defenses that we develop and uh, growing up when we grew up many people grow up in homes that are I mean how many people grow up in perfect homes, or even homes that process emotion well. And so when you're trying to get through life, you know, growing up, you don't even know what you're doing as you develop some of these patterns of defense. So, you know, for instance, a wife who uh, is disappointed or hurt in her relationship with her husband, she may go to him uh, feeling vulnerability. uh, But what she presents with, with is probably more critical or you know, it has an edge to it because she's defending against the hurt and, and she's not feeling, uh, she's feeling vulnerable, but it's hard for her to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So she approaches him with a complaint or a criticism and she may have anger with it. Well, what she's really wanting is to connect. She's wanting to repair something. But what she's leading with, just in a natural kind of way, ends up oftentimes triggering the defensiveness of the man because he's hearing that as failure. He's hearing that as, I'm, I'm not doing it right. And so the greatest vulnerability for men is humiliation or failure. And for women, it's often some form of fear of, of not being connected or attached. So as she's approaching him, feeling vulnerable, she's actually leading oftentimes with something that's more defended, with anger as sort of the mask for that. He receives that as threat and then becomes reactive, just naturally becomes reactive, and either withdraws or fights back or tries to rationalize her feeling away. Wow. That's good stuff. So we're going to take a break, final break. Uh, It's flown by. We're going to have one more segment and uh, come back and listen to that. If you can't, go to our Facebook page or you can go to iTunes or SoundCloud and just type in Solid Steps Radio and you can hear this podcast uh, commercial free anytime. And also you can go to furtherstoneministries.org, furtherstoneministries.org and click on the mic. We'll take a break. Be back shortly. Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment of Solid Steps Radio. We are talking about a PG-13 topic, parents, sexual... No, we're talking about intimacy and the four aspects of it, emotional, spiritual, physical, and sexual. And uh, we want to thank our sponsors, Southeast Outlook. Uh, They are a local publication here in Louisville. Talk about what God is doing in the kingdom, both here locally and around the globe. So we want to thank Southeast Outlook for sponsoring our show and also Country Lake Christian Retreat Center just over the river in southern Indiana. If you are in the area and you want to have a organization or some type of place to take your 
uh, folks to to celebrate to or get out and have an, a committee or any type of organizational celebration or meeting that is a great place to do that country lake christian retreat center so dana uh, in the break we talked about genesis 3 and mm-hmm. you know the huge killer of intimacy is shame <laughs> so i find it shame really literally was the first negative um human emotion introduced to mankind um and who introduced it Hmm. it was satan you know so after after the fall and and shame is a it's it's an isolator shame causes us to hide shame causes us to be invulnerable oh that's and that's what happened to adam and eve right exactly so they hid and so god's you know walking in the garden saying where are you and and adam says we're we're hiding we're naked we're ashamed and so um you know i find that real i think shame absolutely was satan's master plan to to strip us of intimacy from god and each other and so they're hiding and i find it really fascinating that god's what god's response to that Mm -hmm. shame is which is which which is as we apply this Mm -hmm. i mean this leads to intimacy absolutely so so I find that, you know, what he did was so is almost maternal. He he made them close. And it was his sort of first step toward to say, um, I'm going to cover your sin so that you can reconnect in an intimate way with me and with each other. And so, you know, him making them close, it was, you know, an act, his first act of of reconciliation and, and becoming more, you know, sort of reengaging the intimacy you know, with them. Um, I also find it kind of fascinating that um, in order for that to happen, in order for him to make them close, he had to, there was a sacrifice that happened. And it was, it was, it's sort of the, the first sacrifice toward reconnection and re-intimacy. I also think it's kind of interesting that in order for them to get those clothes and to reconnect, they had to take the vulnerable step out from behind the bush, <laughs> you know, out from behind, they had to come out of hiding, and and expi- you know, sort of be seen, mm. in order mm. to in order to receive the gift of covering. So, they had to become vulnerable. And then, what what else do you see God doing that we can learn from in this passage of 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 moving towards intimacy with our spouse? Well. I mean, if you watch, if you watch God's movements in, in that, if you read his, you know, he had to seek them out. Mm. We have to, you know, I mean, I think in marriage, we have to seek each other out. You know, mm. we can't, we can't stay mm. back behind. We have to seek, right, in order to become vulnerable. And so then we have to be vulnerable. We have to, and so we have to approach, you know, if, if he's seeking me out, I have to, I have to be open to being found, right? Yes. And being seen. So, uh, yeah. In order for it to be intimate. And I I think the other hidden piece in that is uh, his acceptance. You know, he approached them with acceptance, even though they had disappointed themselves and him and had, uh, you know, gone in this errant way. He still sought them out, covered them, as Dana said, and and accepted them where they were. He did not shame on top he did not apply shame to shame you know right. what he said what he he accepted them in fact um you know he said when he says where are you and and they the answer is we're hiding and ashamed his you know his response is who told you that you know implication being it wasn't me satan satan told you that hmm. and so you are completely safe with me to come out and so yeah. that's what we're after is this sort of complete emotional, physical, spiritual, sexual safety to come out of hiding, hiding kind yeah. of. The, uh, Don, you also mentioned in the break just uh, that God, he forgives. Hmm. There's this hmm. acceptance piece, yeah. but there's this forgiveness piece, which means in, in forgiveness biblically, it's, hmm. it's not that, well, I'm just going to gloss over this. Right, mm-hmm. right. And there are consequences that come, but it, it, what we're looking at there is the restoration of relationship. And if, if we hurt each other in marriage, there will be consequences to that when we disappoint each other, which is inevitable, right? But moving, it's more about the process of the way we're going through life together. Are we moving towards something that's 
causing us to grow and and toward something mm-hmm. more redemptive and more intimate and more more, more safe more connecting mm-hmm. and more connected and uh so i think that's the direction and and the forward movement that god has in mind for us in marriage and it it's it's the work of our hearts you know dan is in mind to to help in that to try to help people realize when they're struggling when they're going through stuff the marriage is kind of doing its job in a way in that it's causing things to bubble up that need to be addressed right and so we you know we see marriage as as the uh, arena where some of that can happen in its in its most profound way is yeah. that that intimate deep part of us that really only our spouse can see in the same way that's where god wants to do some of this redemptive work and to help us to grow up but it's it's not for the faint of heart right oh it's my hard goodness. it's, it's, hard, it's work. hard to do it and you have to see you have to learn to receive influence from each other you have to learn to be able to see yourself and i think that's that grace underneath it but one of the biggest challenges in reactive stuff with couples that i'm working with uh, is when they don't have enough uh, sense of well-being or sturdiness underneath. And so whenever they get something critical, it immediately moves them into a shame-based response that's usually fight or flight. And they, they have a hard time hearing and really letting the other person know, they're letting their mate know that they're really getting it. Or that even if they don't agree with all of it, just to know that they're there and that they're not becoming reactive, but they're really taking seriously what it is this person's trying to say. So when, that, when, when the husband or wife comes to one another with a disappointment or an issue, that capacity to be able to relax and enough, you know, you, you can still, still feel still some tension. Little, yeah, and you might have anger, you might have feelings there, but you're staying connected with those core values, with uh, being able to see each other in those best possible lights so that even when you're going through something that's excruciatingly difficult maybe, that you're doing it as a team. You're doing that, realizing that we're on, we're in this thing together. We've got each other's back. We want the best for each other. We're not enemies. We're not trying to hurt each other. That's hard to tell those old defensive parts of us. It's hard to get that to transition over, but that's such an important part of that's, growing in intimacy. That's, yeah. that's critical. Dan, I, I, we're, thanks so much, both of you. No, it's uh, our pleasure. For, for coming on the show and just sharing your wisdom and your expertise. I, I, I'm going to have you close in prayer, but before you close in prayer and just pray for us guys, because we need it, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, we all do. Can, can just address real briefly forgiveness, the lack thereof, mm. and what, what that leads to. Hmm. Yeah, I think not being in a in a spot of forg- not being able to forgive leads. I mean, it off resentment, right? Hmm. And and hmm. covering and hiding and um, I I think forgiveness is essential to you know building the intimacy that we are talking about today. Yeah, listeners, couples of faith, what a great resource. Yeah, yeah, yeah we need to forgive. And that's a, that we, we could do a whole show on that. But um, mm. again, thank you both for coming. Dana, would you pray for us and just lift us up, please? Thanks. Yes. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today and to talk. Um, really, ultimately, we're talking about you and your love for us and your redemption of us. And mm. um, God, your, your, uh, the forgiveness really is the antidote to shame. Um, and so, God, I, um, I pray that as we are all on this journey seeking greater intimacy with each other and with you. I pray that you would, um, that you would just seek us, <laughs> that you would, and that we would let you find us. And mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I pray that that would happen, um, in our communion with you and in our communion with our spouses. Ephesians five is really clear that, um, your love for us is represented by our marriages. And so I pray that we would be good representations mm. of you mm. and your love for us as we seek each other out, find each other, and forgive each other. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. So if you're thinking, boy, I want to hear more of that, I agree with you. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a bonus segment for podcast listeners only, which is free. So if you want to hear the more, we're going to do a whole segment on a presentation of our bride before before Christ is out of Ephesians 4 and 5 that uh, Don's going to talk about. And we're also going to talk about some of the other practical issues that 
we can develop intimacy within a marriage and the bonus segment. So go to Facebook, SoundCloud, or iTunes, and you'll be able to listen to that in its entirety. This is the end of the radio broadcast. We also want to promo HopewellHeights.org. If you want to talk more about what Don's talking about in regards to your marriage counseling, HopewellHeights.org. And then Dana, Don. Dana, 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 <laughs> Dana's uh, website is kycards.com. So they trick people thinking it's a basketball website. So it's kycards.com is her uh, site as well for uh, for counseling, anxiety, and related disorders. Thank you, thank you for listening and tune into our bonus segment and share this on someone's page or your page and tag them on it because you know we all need this. And we thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back uh, to Solid Steps Radio. I say welcome back depending on when you're listening to this. This is a bonus segment. We don't do these too often, but every now and then we know we've got to talk a little bit more about what was talked about in the actual show. So what you're hearing now is not aired on the radio. It is a bonus segment that we have with Don and Dana Delafield about intimacy and marriage. And we just did a show on that recently, and we wanted to talk more about what that looks like. So this will be a commercial-free segment where we're going to talk about some aspects of intimacy that we didn't get to touch on during the radio program but we know are just as important. And listen, we're not going to be able to give you the five points for intimacy that you can listen to in 10 minutes and it's all done. I mean, this is a journey. It's a process that God uses. And uh, so we're going to talk more about that in this segment and uh, hear more about what intimacy looks like from God's perspective. Mm -hmm. So Don, you you talked uh, in the break uh, about Ephesians chapter five, and you talked about this presentation yeah, um, it's a talk about that. Yeah, it's a it's a concept that that came that we actually uh, it was a it evolved into a part of the retreat that we led for a number of years. I did uh, we, we did several retreats through the years while I was there uh, in the church based thing and and uh, but th- this was a piece of that and and uh, it really came out of uh, a couple of things converged and and brought this whole. Uh, thing together and it turned out to be an experiential part of the retreat where it was sort of a culmination that we did on the Saturday night of the retreat with couples um, but it started with uh, a, a time when I had uh, it was a number of years ago but it was several years into my ministry and I was at a particular point of brokenness because I had been working to grow in some ways even as a husband and all that but in this particular moment I had felt remorse because I had offended Dana in a way that felt like, why did I even go there? You know, what, why, did I, why did I do that? So it was this place where I could either deny it and try to run from myself or it was a shame. time for me. Yeah, shame, <laughs> where I was either going to cover up and just say <laughs> and try to make it her fault somehow. But I knew in my heart that this offense was on me and that just was didn't make sense because I've, it was one of those kind of, you ever get to a place, Kurt, where you feel like, man, I thought I was past this? Not, never. <laughs> I, what are you talking I, I about? I know Chad has it, but, <laughs> but, that, but that whole idea of just like, you know, I, you find yourself acting out in a way or behaving in a way that right. ends up being like, you know, how, why did I even go there? And so it was one of those moments for me and I, I remember feeling this, this sense of, uh, spiritual vulnerability and, and openness at this particular point. And, um, and I, I happened to be reading through again, uh, for kind of for the first time, you know, like eating Cheerios for the first time all, or <laughs> cornflakes or whatever it is all over again. I, I read through Ephesians five, which I had read and even taught from many, many times. And for, for whatever reason, a thought occurred to me during the reading of it that time that had never struck me before, and I was reading through that section where it talks about, you know, husbands loving their wives and, and doing that as Christ loved the church. And I began to read through that whole segment there. And it goes into talking about, you know, how he cleansed her to purify her and make her stain free and wrinkle free, essentially, the church and by washing her with water through the word and all that. But the phrase that really stood out to me that I had never really noticed before is when it says 
in order, he did all this, he did all of this work to cleanse and redeem and purify her in order to present her to himself. And interestingly enough, around the same time I had, I had been reading a book by Randy Alcorn and uh, it was a book called Deadline that had some really interesting images about heaven in that. And one of the images in that book had to do with one of the star characters in the book, a deep Christian person that went to heaven. And then Randy in the book described this wonderful scene where he enters into heaven and he has this whole cloud of witnesses there, these pe- all these people there that are there to welcome and greet him. And then he you know, comes to the Lord himself. And it's just this fantastic image of, of, uh, of that encounter. And, and for some reason, that passage uh, and, and the reading that I had done on, in that book kind of came together. And uh, I realized that I had never noticed that the whole purpose of that, you know, was aimed toward presenting her to him. And, and I, I began to reflect on that in my own life. And I'd been in ministry and been in marriage ministry for a long time, counseling folks. And on my better days, I probably had some nobility in the way I tried to live my life as a minister and husband, but it was still sort of on the level of, okay, I want to be a good husband in order to, you know, have integrity in my ministry, or I want to be a good husband in order to uh, get, get get what I want back, yeah, and I want to be. Are a you good kidding head. me? That, right. yeah. You did that so uh, that you could just have sex with Dana? Early on, that was maybe my primary reason, <laughs> but I, I I really felt like you know through even in my best day there was still some selfish aspect of it, and it had never occurred to me that uh, you know that this idea of living with her in such a way to where my my effect of living with her, my influence Your with goal. her through the mm-hmm. years, my goal was to help her become more and more presentable to him. To, to that it really isn't about me. It's about us helping each other grow up into Christ in order to even become more presentable to him at that moment. And I got to thinking, you know, I'm I'm a bit older, a few years. I'm five years older than Dan, and I thought the chances are I might be there. You know, if if I go before she does, I may be in heaven first. And I, I wondered, what would that experience be like? And again, with this, this reading that I'd done about that, I just had this idea of what, what experience do I really want that to feel like? What, what do I want that to be? And, and well, I, I while didn't want it to while feel. While you're in heaven. You're in, yeah, you're, I, you're like in if heaven. I go first and I'm there and I get to be part of her presentation to him when she arrives, what would that be like? Do I want it to be filled with regret or, you know, and I don't know if, if you can even have regret there, actually, but but I, I just yeah. had that kind of human feeling that I wanted to be able to celebrate with my whole heart. I didn't want to get to the place where at the end of our lives, essentially, that I had a lot of regret or that I couldn't join in that celebration and think about how wonderful it was for me to be able to participate in everything that led up to this moment the, the, the there's there here she comes there's dana yeah she's coming into the glories of heaven and all her beauty not just her physical no beauty, her spirit but yeah. her spiritual beauty her the person ca- her character yeah the person who she was right and i was a part i got to be a part of that, of that. and and i don't think we really uh, uh, stephen covey you know one of his habits in the uh, seven habits of highly successful people. You know, his second one is begin with the end in mind. And so this is kind of along those lines. And I'll, I'll sometimes kiddingly ask couples, you know, uh, what, think, think about 50 years from now, you know, and, and I, I invite them to think about that time when, you know, when their life is over, basically. I mean, most of the people I ask aren't going to be around in 50 years. And so it's that idea of are we beginning with that end in mind? You know, are we really, do we really have that as our goal? And that, that was a, a wonderful and, and really a beautiful haunting thought for me from that point on was it, it, it gave me the opportunity at least each day to think of, in terms of that. And I don't always walk around thinking about that all the time, but it's that haunting reality that our life here matters and that one of the most important things I can do in my life is to help those people that I'm most importantly entrusted to and for am i am i influencing them in a way that's causing their life to become more rich more full more redeemed more 
uh, is the light more grown up in Christ. The light of Christ shining mm. on them, on them through me, mm. so that yeah. they can be all that He wants them. And vice versa. Yes. Am I receiving that? Right. And, and are we doing that together? It's not just me toward her, but yeah. And our our inti- our becoming more intimate with each other is part of that process because as we become more intimate, we become less shame. Hmm. We become more shame-free the more intimate we become. So. And there's, a, and there's a, a greater sense of teamwork and a greater sense of Absolutely. oneness and hmm. community and all of that. Peace, yeah. And all of that, the peace of God and, and the joy of the Lord and all of that is hmm. a radiant picture hmm. yeah. of Absolutely. Jesus yeah. and his bride, the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a, you what think a, about the powerful effect uh, in our world of of just a couple that loves each other well Mm. you know and you think about how rare that is in some ways in our culture i mean it's there are couples out there that love each other but you know what i'm saying that even in the church when you have so many couples that are struggling and having difficulty and and not just doing that but actually you know dissolving the marriage and and you just think wow what a shame you know that that we're not finding our way toward understanding this differently so that we see it as that growth process that allows us to become all of who we're meant to be and more fruitful, more fulfilled, more filled with joy and peace. And, and, uh, but you have to, again, it's, it's not a quick fix. It's a, it's a lifelong journey and it's a process of, uh, of transformation, which I think is so worth the journey. And, uh, and so part of that and in the work that we do is trying to help folks have a sense of hope. You know, it, if they're so caught up in those vicious cycles, Kurt, they don't, you know, they don't realize that all they know is what's not working. And they, they, they think they've tried everything, right? Well, but all they've been doing is the same thing over and over again. And, and expecting a different result, of course, is the insanity definition. And so our hope is that people can come into spaces, you know, somewhere, whether it's through a counselor or through church or wherever, and find out that there's this path of vulnerability and truthfulness and growing in sturdiness in a way that brings about that fruitfulness that God intends for us. And uh, that's, a, that's a fun thing to get to watch once in a while. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Learning to approach yeah. each other mm-hmm. with, yeah. The, the, talk about the three yeah, I want to talk about approaches. the three. Uh, Deanna, talk, uh, unpack with us the, the three um, dynamics of how we can um, really deal with uh, and move towards intimacy or, right. or not. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's simpler to say than it is to do, <laughs> right? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty quick, you know, there are basically three ways that we can relate to each other. We can, we can avoid because we're hiding and we're ashamed and we don't, we don't want to, we're fearful. We can attack because we're defensive and, and still hiding and still ashamed. Or we can approach. And approach requires that, you know, I'm, this is just me, you know, approaches, take me as I am, you know, and, and I'm not going to hide from you and I'm not going to, you know, either through avoiding or attacking, I'm going to approach you with vulnerability and I'm going to risk you seeing me for who I really am, which is not always pretty, you know, it's not always a good, it's it's risky. It's Uh, really risky because we risk rejection. We risk a lot of things when we, when we approach with vulnerability. But when we, when we do that, mm -hmm. Even when we are in conflict with the other person, um, it's powerful. It's, mm-hmm. it's the upside down of Jesus. It's, it's Jesus saying, um, love your enemies. No, 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 Jesus, you don't understand. Yeah. I, no, he, he hurt me. She hurt me. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, yeah. I'm going to treat them as an enemy. No, right. no, you love them. Right. You bless them. And you treat your neighbor, in this case, your neighbor is your your spouse, (laughs) do to them what you would want them to do to you. Right. And and that's different than, by the way, than just, you know, being nice or, you know, because in first Peter talks about, you know, where it addresses husbands and wives there. And it talks about wives influencing their husbands, you know, without words, but through the you know, I think they can include words, but he's saying the power of your life, your reverence, your your gentle spirit and all that. And then at the very end of it says, if you don't give in to fear, 
you can be like you know Sarah who modeled this if you don't give in to fear and I think that's really a key thing that you don't want to we're not wanting to reinforce uh, a one-up one-down relationship where fear keeps somebody in an abusive or uh, powerful relationship over somebody else that's not what we're advocating sometimes it takes being strong enough to stand up and to confront and that sort of thing um, and you know but that's that's a whole other talk talking <laughs> about that kind of deal where it's that serious or you have that much problem but it, the whole thing about this with vulnerability and moving toward is that there's a sense of invitation for it you're you're not just coming at the other person and telling them something or commanding you're you're coming with some level of curiosity and openness and sturdiness to speak the truth but there's an invitation inherent in it there's an invitation to move with me toward me you know to hear this to uh, to open up you know to tell me the truth you know i want I'm, this mm-hmm. i want this to move forward uh, and that's that's a that's so, not always what's happening you no, know when I we're mean, struggling I, I, I think it's um an author you just mentioned seek to understand before being understood and it's it's, it's approaching them with this open mm-hmm. heart and mm-hmm. open mind but it's really difficult if we have our own if we haven't worked through some of right. our own shame yeah and our own brokenness there's yeah. so much emotion in it you yes. know there's we're, we're so driven by what we're feeling a lot of times which you know is true for all of us and so being able to uh not just be hijacked by you know a negative emotion or an emotion of defense or whatever or fear so i have a question which sure. we, kurt and i always try to uh arrange and leverage these shows for free counseling so <laughs> we're going to ask this question <laughs> uh, perfect so <laughs> i hear the three things avoid attack approach the two extremes are the avoid. Right. I'm not going to talk about it. Right. The attack, I'm going to come at you with mm-hmm. a closed fist. Which, which is also a hidden way to avoid, by the way. Right. Okay. So approaching, it sounds foreign because mm-hmm. you're like, okay, if I'm mad or she's mad, like, let's just talk about from the standpoint of if you yeah. want to have intimacy in, in something, a lot of times I always say Jen and I will connect either a really good way with approaching one another or a really bad way mm-hmm. because we're going to fight. Like sometimes yeah. we just need to fight to connect. Mm-hmm. That's uh-huh. not the best thing to do, but sometimes it just yeah. happens. Okay. How, what does approach look like when you, you just either are bent towards one avoiding men, may be passive. I want to yeah. avoid that conflict or attack. I got to fight with you and you're not, you're not approaching them. You're attacking them. Mm-hmm. What does approach look like on a practical basis when you start talking about emotions being involved right well and i think sometimes approaching can be in an argument you know i think sometimes if you're arguing fair and you're arguing healthy we can have really hearty healthy disagreements but and that can still be approached with with anger present you know because we're we're not we're not saying that but it's not attacking one right there's a difference yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's i thought about this earlier at some point during the podcast but he's not the enemy the enemy is the enemy and sort of remember sort of going into it with that with that understanding that he's not the enemy like i don't have to attack him because he's not my enemy i might be angry with him i might be frustrated with him in a moment or there may be something that i need to be a mirror for him about you know to disciple him or him to me and that may not always be pleasant it might be really painful in fact discipleship often is right (laughs) or being discipled (laughs) often is but but remember you know sort of approaching him as he's not the enemy and so sometimes approach looks like that sometimes approach looks like humility i think Mm -hmm. sometimes it looks like yeah. You know, God is, you know, I'm, I'm reflecting back on something that I did or said, and I just need to own it. And I just need to go to him with humility, you know, and just say, yes. I, I really messed up. You know, like that was something that I, you know, I don't know. I didn't, you know, I really hate I did that. And will you forgive me? So it can look different, I think. So a lot of times it's 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 up to me to approach Jenna and her or me or a spouse approaching them. It's up to you to do that 
in your own self-control to say, I am approaching not the person who I'm against, but I'm for. Right. Yeah. It's just that min- yes. min- mindset yeah. of saying, okay. Well, it goes back to yeah. the, the best light, looking yeah. for that. Right. You know. Yeah. Seeing them in the best light. Yeah. And, and so, so much of this, I think, is a movement toward awareness, too, because a lot of times what happens is it's so easy for us to get triggered, right? Mm-hmm. We get triggered so easily, and before we realize it, we're in a reactive pattern, and and then oftentimes people don't even... Uh, I mean, the, the starting point sometimes is uh, getting at to the end of a really bad experience and and then having enough time to calm down and then to go back and figure out, okay, what can I own in this? What what change can I make? What did I do to contribute to this? And starting there, just going back and saying, hey, I don't agree with everything that even you if, were even saying. If it, even if but, it was maybe the other person, 90% was their issue. Right. Yeah, we yeah. all We all contribute right yeah and there have been times i mean i I look back and i think there have been times when it was really important for me for her to stand her ground in something and vice versa there have been times when we've each needed at different points the other one to be pretty uh Sturdy. sturdy and able to speak truthfully about something because it was hard to get through you know it was hard to get through that particular block or something that was really difficult for me to see or for her to see, for the other person to to stay in that, you know, and I'm not talking about staying in it in a toxic way, but I'm saying staying sturdy in it and being willing to fight for something that's but, right. But staying in it to fight for, for the him person. or yeah. for our relationship. Yes. Not yes. just for me. Yes. For right. them, not against I love, them. I love, right. I love uh, um, I heard a while back, if, if you give to get... Mm. you're not really giving right absolutely right mm. so hey guys uh, thank you so much again for sharing and i just really appreciate it. I, I just want to close in prayer and um just pray for our listeners lord uh we just give this all this um that we've been talking about to you and help us as men especially to uh, step up and um be the men that you've called us to be to love and to sacrifice and to be vulnerable and to be moved towards a greater level of intimacy with our spouses hmm. and uh, lord help us to be men who approach in a in a humble gentle way for your glory and for our good we pray in jesus name amen, amen. thank you guys oh man thank you thanks for having us